Welcome to this episode of Three Peas in a Pod. I'm Lenora, your host. This is about purpose, pathways, and perspectives. And I have with me today for our conversation, Kathy Townsend. Hi, Kathy. Hello. Good to see you. (laughs) You too. And we are doing this remotely as we often do. And sometimes we have additional guests or other guests, whether they're professionals in their sector or authors of books. Today, we wanted to have a conversation about just relationships, friendships. It's always a relevant topic, but some people are getting out more. Certainly during this past year, people have dealt with loneliness. I think any of us have at times because so many changes were going on. Yeah. But there's a lot of ways to have friendships though. I mean, thankfully we've been able to do it maybe uniquely during COVID and, and during isolation that we've had to, to deal with maybe chats or phone calls or texts, but yeah, maybe now we can get out and see people in person more, have a hug. Yeah. And uh, like you said, there's all kinds of different friendships. Sometimes there's seasons of friendships. There are long-term ones, short-term ones, work ones, Sometimes you have those lifelong friends and there's family and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Lots of different ways to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And so there's so many books and experts on this kind of stuff. But when I thought about actually talking about it, it makes you ponder a little bit more and say, I think besides how you're wired personally, I think relationships have a lot to do with whatever habits we already have or grew up with. Oh, okay. What do you mean by that? Well, I've said this before, but I think humans are really good at duplicating whatever's normal to them. So if it's normal and your family spent a lot of time together, hanging out, a lot of time listening to each other, having conversations, then you're probably a little better skilled at that than somebody whose family, maybe you didn't have family or you had a lot of changes growing up, being in and out of homes, whether it's foster care or who knows? You know, some cultures are different with how verbal they are or their habits, their tendencies, and just the the way things are handled. I think that's more of an impact than we realize rather than thinking friendships only go one way or they're only always supposed to be like this. Or I may think it's you that's not wanting to engage with me and turns out I don't ever act like I want you to be my friend. There's that old saying, If you want friends, you have to show yourself friendly. That helps, doesn't it? (laughs) Well, and you know, if you're nervous, if I, because I would get really nervous as a kid. And if I was timid and shy and quiet, which I used to be, then I was nervous about reaching out to somebody because I assumed, oh, they don't want to be my friend. They already have friends. Or you assume yourself out of the relationship. I actually used to do that a lot. So I think whatever our habits are, what we believe about our own value I don't know. Did I go too deep too fast? No, I think that that's good. It makes sense that there's different ways that we might perceive friendliness from somebody else or, or how friendly we may seem to others. And yeah, where that comes from could be how we were raised or circumstances that we have in our lives. You've said that you're pretty much an introvert, but but your family's really outgoing. So how'd that work for you? I mean, did you make a lot of friends growing up? You moved a lot growing up. Yeah. So that made it difficult. Um, Moving made it very difficult. I mean, literally I'd live a lot of places for a year or less, a couple places I lived like two years, but that was pretty much it until I got to high school. And then even after high school, I got married young and then we started moving. It was very weird when I realized I have the same friends that I had five years ago. That was a first for me. That was very difficult for me. Like, oh, like, what you do, they will remember it. I didn't start fresh every two years again. 
And so in some ways it, it was an adjustment, but I always had one or two people who would reach out to me as the new kid in school and want to be my friend. And uh, I, that's all I needed was one or two, <laughs> quite honestly, uh, to get me through the next 10 months or whatever it was going to be until we moved again. But uh, I had good friends. I just didn't have them very long. Wow. See, that's very different. Whereas we tended to be, well, we did move a few times when I was going through elementary school. And so I did change friends. And some of them, I remember being more sad in a sense than I was because I was going on to the new adventure when we were little enough. And for them, they were staying in the same place and somebody was going away. So it was different for them because everything else was staying the same and their friend was going away. Whereas I was also losing a friend, but I was off and my focus was forward onto some new thing or going back to some friends. Because in one case, we moved somewhere and then moved back. So I was going back to friends I had had three years prior. So it's a factor of, gosh, if you're the one going off to the new adventure, then you aren't feeling the loss as much as someone who's there and in a sense being left. You can feel left behind or the big hole that you feel. Yeah, I've never thought of it that way. That's interesting. I guess I noticed it because I watched my friend be more sad than me. And I thought, oh, I should be more sad because I really (laughs) cared about her, but I was so focused on where we were going. And it was this family adventure that it was a different loss for me than it was for her. Yeah. But yeah, I do think we have habits. I mean, whatever's normal. If your family was you know, kind to each other normally, but it was a normal habit, then you're probably better at being kind than others who their families were yellers or really loud speakers. Not that being loud is bad, but sometimes you have those. It was normal to yell. It was normal to be angry. Whatever you were around, you learn that. It becomes your normal. And so sometimes I think that's going to impact your friendships unless you change those behaviors or learn new ones from new friends and people in your life you often duplicate what's normal to you. So what about the person who might think that they don't have many friends? Have you thought of ways that maybe you can make new friends? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Anybody who's not been through that at different times. Well, I guess some mm-hmm. people, they, they are the ones that feel like they just make friends so dang easy. And go back to that book, The People Code, that I love so much. Some people like, they're the life of the party. They're always the ones who play. I mean, they tend to make friends wherever they go and quickly develop relationships. Others, it's very different. It can feel like a risk because you tend to be more of an introvert. It takes more energy. It's can you get more tired because you just have to keep reaching out. Mm -hmm. Or, I mean, heck, it can be everything from whether you trust relationships because of things that have happened in the past. Someone could have broke your trust. And if that happens a few times now, do you trust these new people or are they going to do it again? Can there be a lot of factors? Experience, Mm -hmm. personality type, how often is it happening? What's your normal I don't know anybody who hasn't at time been lonely or felt like they don't have friends. I've had one of my family members that went through that and was just feeling very, very lonely. And I said, well, I don't want this to sound trite, but let's pray about it. <laughs> you know, let's pray. God brings some good friends into your life. And so I would always say ask, but I do think it also matters. And I don't think I'm answering your question yet. I do think it matters. What kind of a friend are you to yourself? I mean, think of self-talk, right? Do you trash talk yourself all the time? Because <laughs> if you do, in fact, I've known people where you can't say anything hardly to correct or to adjust or disagree with them. And they just feel like, oh, I can't believe you're attacking me. Well, the truth is their self-talk is attacking themselves all the time. So they're already up to their eyeballs in criticism from their self-talk. And so they can't even take in correction from someone else. But they don't realize 
It's because their own self-talk is continuously critical of their own every movement they make. So, yeah, I've actually been there years ago and I had to realize, oh, stop it. And that was a process to really learn to have really positive self-talk, really like who I was, all that kind of stuff. So how do you talk to yourself? Do you encourage yourself? Because I think that's a, a foundational piece along the way, being willing and trusting somebody wants to be your friend, because why wouldn't they? I like that. So if you like you uh, and you're friendly with yourself, maybe somebody else might want to be as well. Yeah. And I think sometimes depending on the environment you're in, what's the norms of that area that can impact too, of whether your friends are as positive as you like. And sometimes you think someone's trustworthy and they're not. But I do think stepping out in relationships for some feels like a much bigger risk than others. Mm. They're certainly rewarding. But there are times too where you might have to decide to end a relationship. Sometimes you move away and it goes away. As you get older, you might move away, but choose to invest in the long distance relationship. It's much more of an on-purpose choice to call, text, email, I mean, whatever you do, something that you do or, or plan a vacation together, plan time. You have to choose to invest. Kind of like a farmer, put seeds out there. If anything's going to grow, you better be planting seeds. It's kind of that way with relationships. If you don't ever plant seeds of friendliness, reaching out, then how are you ever going to get a harvest of relationships? Right. A lot of friendships, I think, do come from on the job or come from your church, come from, you know, a club you might be involved in, things like that. That's one way to also build friendships. You and I became friends because we both volunteered at the mm -hmm. church we were going to at the time. Right. We partnered together and then that's how we got to know each other and working side by side. And then we became friends. Yeah. Years ago. Yeah. And then had times where we weren't around each other as much and then really spent more time together with this podcast. So thank you for that. Thank you. Okay, with friendships, sometimes there's the, the honeymoon period where you go, gosh, this friend's always amazing, Whether whatever age you are and your friends and everything always goes well. And, and then you have your first fight or your first disagreement, which can feel like a risk, but then it can be something that actually you build more trust because you work through it. And now the friendship has had its first disagreement and it actually gets stronger. I think that if you can find a way to communicate honestly and kindly that your chance of friendship lasting and becoming more treasured increases because I think that we need those things. We're, I mean, we're not always going to be on our game. We're not always going to be in a great mood. And so it could be a cranky mood that causes a disagreement or a misunderstanding. You know, sometimes it isn't even a disagreement. It is literally just you misunderstood. It could be, you know, so many ways, verbally, via text, Something was said, something was overheard. I, I try to, in myself, if I can take it a good way or a not so good way, I try to give people the benefit of the doubt and assume that they meant it the good way. Just give people grace. You might question it and, and ask for clarification. You know, everybody's going through something sometimes. And if you can, being kind and giving grace is, we all could use that. That's good. And we've even done this with each other. It says, hey, you know what? Sorry, I didn't respond. Right? And, and I'm so glad you don't assume, oh, she doesn't care because she didn't respond. No, I got distracted and I shouldn't. Or we've asked or said things like, I missed you. It's been fun. I appreciate this relationship. And we express out loud the value we have for the relationship or say things that may feel vulnerable if you aren't sure if somebody wants to be your friend and go ahead and say to them, I really value this friendship. 
I'm so glad we worked together. Thank you for doing this. Those simple words are like emotional deposits. I heard the term emotional bank accounts where you want to put deposits in. So when you're having that off day or that off season or that other thing in your life that's hurting you and you're maybe more short-tempered, you have deposits in that bank account so that it doesn't feel like you're bouncing checks in the relationship. Mm -hmm. There's enough in the account that they can go, okay, this is something else. In fact, that's something you have to realize is have enough security in yourself to say, you know, this is overreacting to whatever it is we're talking about. This isn't about me. This has got to be something else. Mm -hmm. And if I cannot get offended and say, oh, wow, are they having a really bad day? Or did something go wrong? Because sometimes people will use anger as a secondary, it's a secondary emotion, apparently. So there may be something else going on underneath there. Mm, that's good. Plus, I've, there's that a verse that says love is not easily offended. Mm -hmm. So if you find that you're getting offended all the time, you just everything annoys you, everything irritates you, your tank is empty. <laughs> <laughs> For me, that means go spend some time with God. Sometimes it's go take a nap. <laughs> Sometimes yeah. it's go eat something. Or what are you doing to take care of yourself? Because love is not easily offended. I remember somebody years ago after a, a work meeting and we were friends too. And she called me up and said, hey, I just want to apologize. I was rude to you. And I was like, what? <laughs> I said, tell me what you're talking about. I really didn't even notice it. And she was like, oh, I'm so glad you didn't. And I realized, oh, my tank's full. I wasn't easily offended. If I noticed it, it was for a moment and I went, whatever. And didn't personally get offended with her. That's so good. Can I just say something here, though, that, Lenoris, one thing that you are really good at is words of affirmation. You speak life into situations, into people, into their lives, into circumstances. And it does go a long way. I am not so great at that. But as a receiver of that, it, it's like, oh, okay. It fills up other people as well. And that is a beautiful thing. And so thank you for that. I appreciate that as uh, the receiver of your friendship and your kind words. I've received them many times and I can see how that does build bridges with, with friendships. Thank you. And you know, I've had to get comfortable with that. I mean, in some ways, I didn't do that as a habit a long time ago, but I found out that is how I'm wired. It is important to me. I feel so much better when I do it. But I'm also a really literal person. I, I'm not a, a too good of a faker. So I do have to mean it. But I do also tend to be kind of intense at times. So I, and I know somebody who I'm a fan of who talks about be careful of people who are too earnest. <laughs> I thought, oh, dang it, that's me. <laughs> I'm <laughs> earnest all the time. I really mean it. You know, I am intense. And I realize sometimes, especially on some work meetings too, where I'll think, you're such a zealot, Lenore. Well, I was a cheerleader for one whole year in high school, but then I couldn't handle the, love the people, couldn't handle the bickering. And plus I was losing momentum in every direction at that time in my life. But I like being a cheerleader. I end up enjoying it so much myself. Mm -hmm. Sometimes my kid was, my, my young adult children would say, you're just saying that because you're my mom. Mm -hmm. I thought, well, I am your mom. But it's also true. And you know your mom. I'm pretty literal. I couldn't pull this off if I didn't actually believe it. But I don't doubt this, whatever the area is. I have zero doubts about this. And I can tell them what I've seen in them. And very honestly. But I have learned that. I have learned that. And I think it's such a, for me, it's such a biblical principle. I've learned the power of words. I really believe in the power of words. And so I really felt like God inspired me in the past 
by just that still small voice that said, give me words to create with. Mm. I was like, what is that scriptural? <laughs> and it is. So words do matter and they can really be something that can build or tear down a relationship. Plenty of times I can get back on that topic because it means so much to me. I've learned so much about how powerful it is. Words. It can be used to build or to tear down a relationship. This is an example. Back in the beginning, I mentioned how we have habits. People have habits based on what you grew up around. I will always remember this example where I, for a season, worked at a daycare somewhere in my early 20s. And this little girl, it was pre-kindergarten, so she was maybe four years old, probably three years old. And she's playing in the little room with other kids playing with toys. And she had a toy phone, you know, more the, the little older style. But she has the phone and she's having a little fit and she's moving her little body around and she's yelling into this phone and she slams the little plastic phone down and looks at me and goes, that was my boyfriend. Oh my gosh. I think I know what happens at your house. <laughs> I was like, uh-oh, she was like three or four. She didn't have a boyfriend. She wasn't calling people on the phone, but she knew how to throw a fit on a phone and slam it down. And it was her boyfriend. Wow. I was like, wow, what you have taught your child. They're watching all the time. Oh, they learn whether you want them to or not. I will always remember that. It's like, oh my goodness. That's something that was taught. So What's powerful about the concept of reproducing what's normal is you can build a new normal. You can watch other people. You can learn relationship skills from others. I have to admit, I do love this book. I love a certain amount of books. I love to learn. So this one is for marriages, but in all reality, it wouldn't matter if you're married. This just plain works for relationships. It's called The Seven Principles for Making Marriage Work by John Gottman, G-O-T-T-M-A-N. He's a PhD. It's a New York Times bestseller in the past fascinating. They used to watch people, they invite them to this place. So it was totally a volunteer participation and they would observe them in their conversations, their relationships. And they could tell with incredible accuracy whose relationships were going to last and whose weren't based on their communication. And it's not just the words, it's the attitudes, it's the approaches, the behaviors and all this stuff. And it's amazing, the accuracy, but it's a fascinating book. And there's a lot of good stuff out there, like another famous older one, how to Win Friends and Influence People. Mm. Highly recommend that book. It's a classic from before, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Things like that, that can teach you those things. Because you don't want someone to feel like, oh, great, my family was not good at relationships, or I didn't even have families, or I don't trust people. You can learn new things. You can build a new normal and absolutely begin to grow to a place where you have flourishing relationships. You just learned, in some cases, how to trust again, how to possibly forgive the past. And sometimes it takes humility to be willing to say, I need friends. I used to want to believe I didn't need people. I thought, I can just do everything on my own. I don't really need them. Yes, I have to function with people, but I don't need them. Oh, yes, I do. Yes, you do. So humility, willing to trust again. I had to forgive things. And then forgiveness, if there's real forgiveness, you can actually get to where you basically forget. You almost at times completely can forget. In other cases, it's like a story, but it doesn't feel like it's your story anymore. So some pretty amazing freedom that can happen. And one thing to stay free from mistrust or, or even if you have a problem right now in a current relationship and it's one that's solvable, you can just talk through it or 
hey, sorry, I did that, whatever. Don't repeat the matter over and over and over. You repeat the matter. Another proverb, repeating a matter separates friends. Remove the gossip and strife goes away. Think about what sometimes social media can do. It can be so positive and it can be one that's used to repeat a matter, repeat it, repeat it, repeat it. Gossip about it. You're separating friends. You're separating whole people groups because you're taking those actions. Whether it's an individual relationship or a group relationship, repeating a matter over and over and over, gossiping about it is separating. You have to be willing to let something go if you want to get past it, if you want to mend and rebuild. Now, that may take some serious work and in, in certain things that go on, depending on what, how, what the offense was. But you got to make choices, too. Do you want to mend or not? Is there going to be a coming back together or not? Are you willing to actually listen, to really be present and hear without preparing to respond. There's so many people skills and it goes way beyond what we can do in a couple minutes in a podcast, just talking about friendships. But I think people are hungry for relationships. I've heard it was like a TED talk. One of our veterans talked about there's a epidemic of loneliness mm. in the U.S. And it's, I'm sure it's in plenty of other places. And this was prior to the pandemic. If there's an epidemic of loneliness, then we need the cure. We need to then start planting whole different seeds and be honest about having a need. I've definitely become decently good at that. Not great, but decently good at saying, hey, you have a few minutes, I need to talk. But I also have gotten pretty good at not assuming if someone doesn't have time that they don't care, that I don't matter because they don't have time. They can be busy. I can't decide my value based on your schedule or based on what season your life is in. You maybe have a house full of kids or grandkids, and I don't. So we have a different amount of time available. So it's putting those things in. That's why you need more than one. Final thought before we close this out is, you know, the best friend concept. Well, that's nice, but you might want to say best friends, best friends. You can have more than one best friend. Best sounds like there's only one. But you can have more than one very close friend. You can't have that many really, really, they know everything about each other. There's no walls up at all. And you've really gotten to some amazing spaces in the, in the trust and whatever, because that takes a lot of effort and time too, usually. But you can have more than one and you can let someone else in your circle. Yeah. Or have a strong relationship with another friend that's completely separate and not uh, make the other one feel insecure because you realize, well, we both have several, multiple really important people in our life. And then you don't overstress the relationship or overemphasize what every move that they make, or if they have other friendships, you don't have to feel insecure, things like that. Yeah. Yeah. So there are seasons of life, seasons of friendship, seasons of time that you have time to invest in relationships, but we all need them. So, hey, even listening to podcasts, I have to admit, I feel like I, I know people that I've never met. I feel like I'm kind of friends with people that I've followed on in some areas in social media. I don't think I would have said that had I not read it in some book. And they were saying, I think it was in the grief recovery, when people were so surprised that people were so felt so sad when Princess Diana died years ago. Mm. And they go, why are people so sad? They didn't know her. They said, well, they actually did know her, but they'd never met her. Yeah. You can actually, in a sense, feel like they are my friend, even though I haven't met them. So you can have relationships by, in a way, it's a different kind. It's not the same level of relationship, but some level of relationship with people who are saying, hey, I'm out here. I'm talking to you, who I may not know personally on this podcast, that Kathy, we're talking to you, but we've never met. And you can have that with all kinds of people. 
where it meets a certain piece of connectedness need. And then you have the ones that are that your own family or your own friendships or workplace, neighborhood, things like that, where you need that face-to-face personal connection. And, and especially for some more than others, the physical touch, the hugs, all that kind of stuff. What? Mm. Invest in you? Are you being your own best friend? Are you being, gosh, talk about a best friend. Besides God, it should be yourself. Not excusing yourself from bad behaviors, but do you forgive yourself? Do you encourage yourself? Do you really love who you are? If you do, you'll naturally build better relationships. So work on that one while you're working on others. But it's a, a matter of investing into yourself, investing into those relationships. But like kind of like a farmer, which most of us don't farm anymore. But you know, if you plant seeds, you'll you will get a harvest. With some patience, you'll get a harvest. So it's fun to talk about it. Yeah. It's even more fun to do it, you know. <laughs> yeah, no to, kidding. To make a friend. Well make a said. new friend. Well said. Yeah. Thank you for doing this with me because it's so much more enjoyable for me to talk with you as well as being talking to an audience. So thanks for being my partner as I talk at you or talk with you. That's what friends are for. (laughs) Well said. (laughs) Have a great week. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, rate the podcast. We do have uh, more guests we'll have in the future. And thanks for listening to Three Peas in a Podcast.